again, welcome to Showtime with Coop, another episode. And man, did we have Bob McAdoo in the house again with some insightful BS. Bob, how you doing? I'm doing fine, Coop. I'm just staying safe. How about you? I'm doing wonderful out here, as well as my boy AT in the house. What's going on? So, dude's double dipping here. Obviously, he played for the Lakers, won championships at the Lakers, but... You know, has history and, and do you currently work for the Heat or you had work for the no, Heat? No, no, no. I still work for the Heat. I'm a scout with the Heat right now. You know, after we get through playing, we all take different routes. And, uh, you know what? Bob, uh, uh, hung out with Pat Riley. So he was able to follow Pat down the, down no. the hey, I was in, I was in Italy, Coop. What are you talking about? Oh, they came and got you from over there. That's right. Oh, no, okay. no, I, came, I came, I came back after I left Italy. I went with Magic. I was I went with him a couple of times on his Magic tour, and Cup Cupcheck said, "Man, go to the Combine in Chicago." And uh, but before I even got to the Combine, uh, I had already contacted Pat because he left New York, and he gave me an interview. And uh, after the interview, he gave me the job. But I went to the Combine anyway, and uh, a guy started walking up on me, and I didn't know who it was. And he got up on me and he said, you remember who I am? I said, your face looked familiar, but I, I can't remember your name. It was Greg Popovich. Wow. wow. Me and Greg Popovich were roommates in the Pan American game. Wow. When he told me his name, I went crazy. Pop offered me a job right there on the spot. But I told him I had to decline because, you know, Pat had already offered me the job in uh in Miami. So when I, when I look back, I said, I had, I had two good options, Miami Heat and the San Antonio Spurs. It's just like when I was coming out of school, high school, my two choices was North Carolina and UCLA. I, I've been <laughs> blessed basketball wise. How can you go wrong? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Well, I think he picked the wrong school, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know you get that little Carolina blue and all that, that junk on. But uh, anyway, Matt, what do you think that you helped? And again, as ex-players, one of the things that we have the is in which is considered our expertise is our knowledge. What do you think you have brought to the Heat, not just this year, but the prior years? Well, like, like you said, the, the players kind of look up at you because of what you did in your career. Uh, they know you were in tight situations in games. They know you were in the biggest games, you know, like, you know, with the Lakers, you know, I was in a championship four straight years. So you know what pressure's like. Um, you know, with the Heat, we were in the championship five of my 19 years. So they know you've been through the grind and you're not going to panic. You know, you, 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 you kind of even kill with your, with your emotions and stuff. And that, that's what these young players need to see. They don't need to see somebody all excited and crazy. If you, if you low keyed and you know what you're talking about and you're positive and everything, especially being an ex player, that, that helps tremendously with these young players now e even you know veterans like LeBron you know LeBron was not you know he was like 28 when he came to us 27 so he was still kind of young and uh you know he would watch me and ask me you know he's a student of the game anyway so 
he he kind of knew my career and everything. So they, they 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 study and they watch you, and you try to be steady, and that that really helps them, you know, doing tight situations. Now, Mac, you know what? You being there when they had the big three and you guys were winning championships, um, what? Tell us a little bit about D Wade. Tell us a little bit about Shaq, and tell us. And you've already spoke a little bit about LeBron, but what ingredients really brought those three together? Because that was D Wade's team before all those guys got there. Now they all come to Miami, and he sacrificed the superstar role to fit into a role to let guys come in so that he could win the ultimate prize and the prize for an NBA player is a championship because people remember champions. Well, they, um, Dwayne LeBron kind of sat back that first year because he, he knew it was, uh, Dwayne's team, but Dwayne finally went to him and say, look, bro, if we, if we're going to win, we, we got to have you at your best. So Dwayne kind of, you know, he, he he put it out there for LeBron, and LeBron took it over. Because that first year, if we needed a big shot, LeBron was deferring to Dwayne. And I don't think Dwayne really wanted that. He was used to doing that before he got there. But he told LeBron, look, if you're going to be at your best, man, we, we got to have you. You got to be the one taking that shot at the end. Chris Bosh, he bought in right from the beginning. He knew he was going to be the third cog in that wheel of LeBron, Dwayne, and Chris Bosh. And it worked for us. The Eagles didn't come out like a lot of people thought it was. You know, those guys respected each other. They blended in. And uh, it, it hurt us that first year when we lost to Dallas. But that second year, you know, we got it back. The third year, we got it back. And we just, you know... San Antonio, that fourth year, they just had uh, a hell of a run. You know, that's when Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard broke out and became a superstar in that fourth year of the big three. And, uh, but, but I mean, we got there four straight years, which was accomplishment in itself. Hey, Mac, you know what? I'm going to ask you this, and then I already got a couple of questions for you. Um, there's an old saying and it kind of f- fell in line with the Detroit Pistons. You ain't got to like me off the court, but you got to respect me on the court. The special relationships between players, and again, looking at our team with me, myself, I mean, you and myself, like Magic, Kareem, we liked each other off the court. Did those yeah. three guys, Bosch, did they like each other off the court of course, as well? Absolutely, absolutely. Those guys hung out, you know, went to movies together, they vacationed together, uh, ate lunch and dinner together. I mean, they were together all the time. And it wasn't only them. Uh, the rest of the team was, they fell in line too. You know, you didn't have any lone wolves out there. You know, the guys knew the, the pecking order and they fell in line. Everybody, you know, it's just like us, Coop, when we were out in LA, we, we genuinely liked each other mm-hmm. and we hung out together, which made us, you know, we didn't get bent out of shape if we said something to each other, you know, that somebody didn't like. You know, you said it and then you moved on. You know, that's how we were able to be so successful out in L.A. It was the same thing in uh Miami. It, not, not as much as us now. I mean, these guys are a little bit more sensitive than we were, but uh they had some of that, and that's why they were so successful. And I, I think that's why the Miami Heat, are successful this year. They don't have a big three or the talent we had 
in uh, L.A., but those guys genuinely like each other. I've been down there a couple of times, practice, weight room. Those, those guys, they, they really like each other. You know, it's, it's, it's amazing seeing that. Because a lot of times, you know, I've been on seven teams in my NBA career, and a lot of times you you find guys, you know, guys they ain't getting along too good. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and you know, I think you look at this Heat team this year, do I mean it's it's incredible. It's a testament to the scouting department, quite frankly. And and I mean, you think about the big three era, and then that you know gets broken up, and then they start over. And just how you guys were able to build this team through the drafts. I mean, take us through that and. You know, what role did you play in, in scouting these guys? And, and what did you see in some of these guys that maybe other, other organizations didn't? Well, we, you know, it's, it's not an exact science scouting. Yeah. Uh, I, we, 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 we end up being lucky getting Bam and getting Tyler Hero. I mean, those guys end up being better than we thought they were going to be. Yeah. And of course, Duncan Robinson, he wasn't even drafted, period. I mean, he was, he was at a division three or division two school, uh, ended up going to Michigan, wasn't drafted at all, uh, went to the G League and lo and behold, he's one of the best three point shooters in the NBA. I mean, it's guys just jive. I mean, we, we got a, uh, culture, uh, we have developed so many guys in our system. You know, guys that have gone to other teams, got good contracts, had good career. Uh, give you an example. Whiteside. Uh, Bruce Bowen. Bruce Bowen. You know, Bruce Bowen was always a defensive specialist with us. You know, he played well. I, I, I don't even remember what happened, but he ended up going to San Antonio and being an intricate part of their championship teams. He developed. Bruce couldn't hit the side of a barn. He kept shooting and shooting, shooting till he, he got to the point where he can make, he can make threes. If he had 10 threes, he was going to make six or seven of them from the corners. That's, yep. that's how he developed. That's, that's what we've done in Miami. We developed guys, uh, Ike Austin, for instance. Ike was 300 and some pounds. I mean, he lost 60 pounds. He ended up going to Washington, getting a $30 million contract. Ike Austin wasn't on anybody's radar, but we worked with him, developed him. This, this is what the Miami Heat does with players. Bam. Bam, if you remember him from Kentucky, with that talented team they had, he never touched the ball. The only time he touched it was when they threw lobs to him. You look at him now, he's handling the ball down court. Uh, he's initiating the offense. I mean, he's turned, I mean, he's an all-star. You know what I'm saying? And I saw a, a thing in the paper the other day that said, if they did the draft now, there's no way Bam would have been, what, the 14th pick. Right. Tyler Hero wouldn't have been the 13th pick. Those guys would have been top three picks if you look at it today. You look at all the people that looked over those guys. But, Matt, let me ask you this. Uh Going back, and again, it seems like Pat Riley, yourself, you guys stay close to home, which is your colleges, okay, North Carolina. When you're <laughs> recruiting and you look at, let's say the leading scorer is at Appalachian State in the country, and this guy is averaging, say, 40, 40 a game, okay? Mm -hmm. And you have an opportunity to get him or a very good fifth, sixth, seventh role player from North Carolina or Kentucky. 
And I'm going to say this. I'm going to put it out there. I think you guys would take that player from North Carolina, Kentucky, because he has all the fundamental ingredients that go along with being part of a team. Am I right or wrong? Probably so. Probably so. I mean, if you get a guy, you know how Pat is. He's not going to really pick a guy that's uh, averaging 30 points a game. Plus, you don't see that anymore. When you see guys that's averaging 30, they they five foot 10. Uh, <laughs> and... <laughs> They, they, you know, that's going to be hard to to deal in an NBA setting. You know, you've got some talented small guys, but they're going to be uh, liabilities defensively. You, you know, you can't, like the series you see now, with all the length they got out there, you can't put a small guy out there. I really don't think you can. As, if they can be great as they can be, they, they can't play in today's game. Well, let me say this, Mac, and tell me if you agree. I think the Lakers, this year's Laker team, have definitely broke the mold of maybe last year, three years ago, of that small ball crap that they're trying to play Houston. Because yeah. I think the one thing that the Lakers have with JaVel McGee, with uh, 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 White Howard, the White Howard, the Lakers are big now, oh, and yeah. they're agile with their bigs. Yeah. So yeah. Now I think again the 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 the, the conformation or the reconfiguration of NBA teams now, people got to get big with the Lakers if you're going to compete with them. Would well, you say you, that? Well, you, be, you better – those three guys are gazelles. They can run. They ain't no big Clydesdales running down the court. Those are thoroughbreds getting up and down the court. I mean, they can get down court and defend fast-break teams like Houston. I mean, they were fast-breaking, but – they had to go through that size. Those yep. guys were waiting for them at the other end. You know, they got six, eleven, seven feet spread out. I mean, it's hard to shoot over that. And then you talking about offensive rebounding? Come on, man. AD, talented as he can be. Uh, Dwight Howard, tall and physical. He's going to hurt you with his body. He, go, he, they got all different types. JaVale McGee, long, lanky, block shots. I mean, that's what? That's 21, 21, am I saying that right? 18, 18, that's what? How many fouls do they got with those three 16 guys? 18, yep, 18. Right, right. You know, I mean, what team has that? I mean, that depth at their big, at the big position, four and five is better than everybody in the league. How yeah, surprised they put, team, they put that team together very well. How surprised are you that the Heat are here? Um, I think getting past Milwaukee surprised everybody because Milwaukee had the best record in the league. They got the you know the two-time MVP and Giannis. You stopped uh, yourself from saying the best player in the league. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you gotta, you gotta think about that. Yep. You know, LeBron, LeBron is up there. Yep. You know, it's one, one A and one B. You know, it's, it's hard to say. Uh, I think Giannis got it because, you know, he had the best record in the league. That's what they, that's what they usually do. They give it to the player who's got the most successful team in the league. But, you know, whether he's the best player, you don't know. You know, I mean, you you got to always put LeBron in that mix. I what know did you, I had him for four years. What did you think this Heat team could play? Could could be this good? Um, they're good because 
they got snipers. <laughs> you know, Robinson and Hero, I mean, and even none. These guys haven't seen a lot of none because I that's think a little point guard, Matt. Point guard. He yeah, I like him, it, man. He can put it down. He he was set back, I think, because I think he was um if I, I have to I have to, I can't remember. Maybe he was out of the bubble and he had cold nineteen and he had mm-hmm. to get back into it. But this kid was our starter the majority of the year. They were bringing Goring off the bench. Uh, he can, he can, he can really put it down. This guy can go. He can score. I mean, he was a leading scorer in college and he, I mean, he's been like that for us too. So that's, that's another guy that was off the radar. I was talking about Bam and Hero and Robinson. I got to put none in there too. This is a guy who was kind of off the radar too, who's, you know, who's done so much. And you, you talking about that team. When I look at our team, our team, along with Jimmy Butler, these guys got a big chip on their shoulder because everybody been looking over them all year. And, you know, it's like, hey, we're we going to prove you wrong. And, they, and they've done that this year. They've now, done- wouldn't you say, uh, sorry to cut you off, wouldn't you say, though, that the bubble was the ideal situation for the Heat team, especially the way Pat Riley and, and obviously Coach Folstra, the way, and you know how Riles used to coach us, we're yeah. ready to play. We don't go to training camp to get in shape. We're in shape to learn what's, what we're going to be doing. Oh, so yeah. when the COVID hit and, it, and and you're looking at the beginning of the season, I would never have picked the Miami Heat to be in the final game. But the bubble was a perfect example for them to thrive the way they have been because it seems like they work hard, they play well together, they're having yeah. fun, and that's why they're in the position with the players you name coming in the next season, don't you see a big a brighter future for the organization? Oh, absolutely. Uh I don't think what people realize is, you know, you know, when everything was shut down, the Miami Heat didn't shut down. Those guys, those guys were still going at it. They were working, you know, they were, they were being careful in this whole thing. But when they got to the bubble in, uh, Orlando, they were ready to go. It yeah. wasn't like those guys from Miami had to, you know, play themselves into shape. Like you heard a couple of the announcers saying guys were trying to get back into mid, you know, season shape. No, 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 no. These guys are ready. Because Coop, you know how we were. We yeah, we, yeah. we were ready to go. Yeah. You know, we 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 practiced hard. We didn't we didn't play that stuff. We was ready to go. And this is the same mentality that the Heat had. They were they were soon as they started those games in the bubble, they were ready to go. Uh, I got you a question about the Clippers, real quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, with that debacle happening over there, do you think that it was uh, that Doc should have been fired? No, because when have you ever seen a coach hit a three-pointer? Yeah, you're asking the wrong out. guy. Remember, dude, dude doesn't believe in coaching. He doesn't think coaches matter. Remember <laughs> that's that. He was a, that's because he was a player. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got you gotta you gotta have the players, man. Remember, Coop, yeah. we got in that argument. Yeah, you yeah. got you gotta have the players, man. You gotta have the horses. I mean, if you don't have a second, but Mac, they had the horses. They had the horses. They had them. Well, you you're disrespecting Denver. You're disrespecting Denver. You gonna tell me they didn't have no horses? Yeah. Hey, 
Jokic, he was kicking, he was kicking their ass. That kid Murray, uh-huh. he was kicking their ass. But dude, and, and that's why I say, as a coach, you gotta find a solution for that if you got a so-called championship team, which the Clippers thought they were. That's the press talking, man. <laughs> that's the press, that's the press talking. You know, I mean, I'll say this. People might not like it, but I think Kawhi made a mistake leaving Toronto. I think he did. I think, I think Toronto would have been in the championship again if he'd have stayed there. I mean, I understand, you know, him wanting to go home. He's a California boy. You know, I mean, I, I can see you making the same decision because you're California. <laughs> you think California is so great. Get that crap out of here. That's going to be in the ocean in 50 years. Man, listen, <laughs> this is West Coast here. out here. This is West Coast out here. <laughs> what, you stupid dog or something? <laughs> yeah. Come on, man, West Coast. Come on, Coop. <laughs> you know, but uh, I think he'd, he'd, he'd have had a better team if he was staying in Toronto. I mean, you can't blame him. That's his right. That's his freedom. But me looking from the outside, you know, they they were going to build a statue for that brother. <laughs> outside, he wasn't going to have to pay a dime for, for <laughs> restaurants, for lodging. I mean, if he wanted to go to California, they was, I heard they was going to get him a private jet. Uh, and you talking about the only bad thing about Toronto is the weather during the wintertime. When you start getting to the Spring and summer and fall, get that LA stuff out of here. That's the <laughs> best city in North America. And you know it, Coop. Toronto, <laughs> hey, that is one hell of a city. That is one beautiful city, bro. Well, again, I think, uh, Doc was caught between a rock and a hard place on that situation, especially having folded in 2015 with, uh, uh, Chris Paul and Blake Griffin and they yeah. have an advantage and losing that 3-1. That was very difficult, but I am glad that Doc, and again, he's a great coach and I'm yeah. glad that he's able to rebound. I think he's going to do something spectacular for the 76ers. Mm-hmm. I still think he's a long way because Embiid is a, is a, uh, what do they call him? Um, uh, unicorn? He, huh? A unicorn? No, Embiid is a, He's a coach firer. He'll get oh, you fired, coach man. Killer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Coach coach killer. Killer. That's coach what killer. Embiid is. But I think Doc will be able to pull the best out of him. Obviously, with all these teams, with the draft coming up, you'll get additional players. Uh, but that was what I wanted to hear uh, your thoughts on uh, the LA. Well, Clippers. and, and to add to that too, the thing we were talking about at the start, guys, like you know, you have to like each other and, and respect each other. And it doesn't mean you're always going to get along. I mean, I'm sure you guys fought, you know, but but it's respect. And that's like you look at Philadelphia with Simmons and Embiid, and even probably in in with the Clippers too. I think there was elements of those guys didn't really like each other as much as maybe some of these yeah, championship yeah, teams do. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, when you look at Philly, when you look at Philly, they don't seem like they're as close right. as Miami no. and the Lakers off the court. You think Doc can help that? You think Doc can bridge that gap being there? Maybe I I I hope he can if he can uh, if he can turn off the satellite dishes, you know, and listen to the press. I mean, Philly is a tough town, bro. That's a tough town. That that town is like New York. I mean, mm. they ain't happy. If you're not 82 and 0, they are pissed. <laughs> you know, 
I, I, hopefully he can he can deal with that. I mean, Doc has played in New York. He know he know he knows those northeastern cities. They the press is is tough up there. If he can, you know, get past all the noise that he's gonna hear, you know, he, he he'll be okay. And if he can get those guys, you know, Simmons, Embiid, you know, get stop Embiid from shooting all them threes, you know. <laughs> I mean, come on, man, you you the biggest guy in the game. You know, okay, you can shoot the three once in a while. Get your big tail down there in the post and brutalize people. If they double team you, kick it out to your shooters. I mean, not Simmons, he's not a shooter, but I mean, he's six, eight, six, nine. He handles like, like magic and can do things, but he's got, he's got shooters around him. You know, get in the post and, you know, do your thing. Don't be out there shooting threes. I mean, you, you want a seven footer to stay out there shooting threes. Not unless he's dirt in the whiskey or somebody. Man, he ain't no Bob McAdoo. Mac, we're at the no. uh No, he ain't. <laughs> oh no. Get <laughs> the point of our lightning round. I'm gonna give you five names. You gotta tell me something about him. <laughs> What's that? Uh Red Arback. Uh I think it's the winningest coach. He's got the most championships, doesn't he? With mm-hmm. Boston Celtics. Yep. I mean, I mean, he had I mean, how many players off of that Celtic, all those Celtic championship teams in the Hall of Fame? I mean, he was, he was loaded with talent all those years. You know, I mean, you can't fault him for that. That ain't his fault. He was smart enough to, to, to get them and put them together and mesh them together. He's probably the greatest winning coach in uh, NBA history, him and Phil Jackson. What was your experience with him? Uh, not too good. Yeah. You know, when they <laughs> traded me, when they traded me from, uh, New York, it was the last day of the trading deadline, and it was a lot of stuff going on. The, the owner of Buffalo at that time was John Y. Brown, and uh, he didn't want to pay me in Buffalo, so I ended up in New York. Uh, Phyllis George was his wife. She thought I was the best player in the league. When they swapped franchises, they went to Boston. He became part owner in the Boston franchise. Did he realize how much I hated Boston? <laughs> but she she wanted me on that team, and they dealt me to Boston without Red Arback's knowledge. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm averaging 29, 30 a game. I get up there. Red Arback is pissed. Cowens and Casey Jones are the coach. Can you believe they had a 30-point-per-game player coming off the bench because they was pissed? <laughs> the first game I get up there, you – I mean, I'm I'm like <sighs> – I think I was behind George Gervin and David Thompson that year. That's two damn good players. Two damn good players, but cool. If they're I not mean, going off the bench. Yeah, but cool. You gonna try to put me in the game with two minutes to go because you pissed that they made a deal? I said, uh-uh, you ain't doing that to me. They got pissed. They told Red Arback, Red Arback called me screaming and stuff. Well, I screamed right back at him. I said, hey, that ain't my fault of right. the trade, but you don't put a 30 point per game guy on the bench and then you're going to try to put me in with two minutes to go. That ain't my fault. Don't dog me because of your administrative, your administrative stuff going on. I wasn't going for that. And then, you know, Coop, I don't know if you remember this. You remember back in the day, black players, remember me and Brad talked about this when he was on. You did not want to go to Boston. Yeah. Boston was considered the graveyard for black players. When you went to Boston, 
and you got traded, that was the end. That was the end. They were going to dog you. They were going to mess up your reputation. Nobody wanted to go to Boston. But see, that's for Gat Cooper. You know, we, we old timers. People don't know about that stuff. You know, I mean, Boston was just not a city for black, especially a black superstar. I mean, you, you never saw black superstars traded to Boston. You know, you just never saw it. And I was one of the first ones and they, they didn't handle that too good. I was glad they got me out of there. Uh, 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 Malcolm X. Malcolm X. Hero to black America. I mean, he opened, he opened people's eyes, you know, uh, gave black people, you know, told them their natural history, you know, not this propaganda that we were hearing over here in the United States. I mean, his speech is still you know, people still listen to his speeches. They, I mean, they, the things that are happening now, George Floyd and stuff, he talked about that stuff in the sixties and this stuff with 2020 and it's still happening. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was, he was, he was just a hero. He, he was a hero just as much to me as Martin Luther King. Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris. Man, I saw her put a dent in Pence's ass last night. That sister, she don't play. Pence, he did the right thing picking her. I mean, she is sharp as a tack. She brought out all the issues last night. She is just the right person that he needs beside him to, to deal with this stuff the next four years in this country. Alvin Adams. Alvin Adams used to play with Phoenix. Yep. I used to tear him up. <laughs> That's all I know. He was pretty good. He was, he was pretty, pretty good. good, but yeah, he was good, but he was getting 40 on his eyeballs every night <laughs> he played against us. Last yeah. but not least, Bob Lanier. The Daba. They call him the dancing elephant. Hey, Daba would do the business to you with that left hand, boy. You, he'd get you in that post. If it wasn't Wilk Chamberlain or Kareem that was guarding him, you was going to get your business done on you, boy. Big Daba was the man in Detroit and Milwaukee. When he went to Milwaukee, he was, he was a difficult guard because he was, you know, you, you hear about 265 pounds now. Everybody's 265 pound there. When, when Dobble was 265 pound, you remember everybody was built like me and you, Coop. Exactly. Green <laughs> beans. We, you try, you saw somebody 265 pounds, you like him and George McGinnis. It's like, damn, they, they gonna hurt somebody. <laughs> hey, you listening to Showtime with Coop. Rightful <laughs> BS by some of my NBA friends and we have Bob McAdoo in the house. Uh, a right. couple more questions for you, Matt. Getting to the playoffs today, okay? Uh, obviously, the Heat are down 3-1. Yeah. And have they, you know, uh, Jimmy Butler, man, I was very impressed with him in uh, their last two games that they played. Yeah. I mean, this young yeah. man, he knows the odds are stacked against him, but he's coming yeah. out and performing at a high level. And, again, teams win championship. And yeah. you know what? This last game, the fourth game, I thought he did a good job of not just – 
trying to carry the load, but making the other players hero, Duncan, these other players a little bit better. Obviously, Bam is coming off of his injury, came back. Talk a little bit about Jimmy Butler. Hey, a competitor, complete competitor. The thing I saw in the last game was, well, we knew Jimmy wasn't going to be able to get 40 every night. That was that was a hell of a game. That was one of the best uh, performances in a championship game that I have ever seen. But the Lakers made an adjustment. They put Anthony Davis on him. Yeah. First team, all defense, seven feet tall. That's a tall order there, bruh. You know, trying to shoot over him all game long. That's a tall order. You got to give the Lakers, you know, some kudos for, for, for the matchup changes that they made. They put LeBron on him, who's bigger than Jimmy. They put him on. I mean, you, you can't put these, you know, Carwell and Green and Kuzma on him. He's gonna, he's he gonna torture them. But when you put those two big thoroughbreds on them, that changes the whole complexion of the series right there. But Jimmy Butler, he's, he's the ultimate competitor, man. He, 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 that's the only thing I can say about him. That guy, he comes to work every night. The players love him. You know, all the stuff you heard about him on other teams is not true. I mean, the guys with the heat, they love that guy because of the way he competes. And that's that's why we in the championship because, you know, we went to him. He he made all the big shots for us in the Boston series and the Milwaukee series. You know, Lakers is, is a different story. That's a yeah. different animal there. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you got to get him credit. That's a different animal there. What is Coach Foster telling his team for tomorrow night's game? Uh, each possession <clears throat> down the court, you know, you got to execute on defense, just like the mantra that the Lakers had. I heard Jimmy Butler say it. They contested every shot that we took last game. They got to do the same thing. They, the, the Lakers got too many open looks. You know, I know that we got to double team LeBron. We got a double team, uh, uh, AD, but we gotta, we gotta close out better to their shooters because this kid Carwell and Kuzma and, and, uh, uh what's the name? Morris. Hey, them boys can put it down. You leave them open. It's pop, pop, pop. It's over. Make <laughs> Mac, you know what? It's easy when you're standing out there by yourself and you all you do oh, yeah. is catch and oh, shoot. Yeah. Oh yeah. But you, you, you gotta have the horses that help you be out there by yourself yeah, because, yeah. you know, when you guard them, they're not gonna really do that much. But if you, if, if those guys, LeBron and them driving and kicking, or you double team at AD and he's hitting guys, you know, I mean, you're gonna, you're gonna make the shot. And everybody know about Danny Green. You leave Danny Green open. That's, that's a, that's a trade right there. That's his specialty. So they got all three point specialists, uh, surrounding the two horses that they got. That, like I said, they, they put that together. They put that team together really really nice really good. so it, it's safe to say that Miami's not gonna roll over and just give it to us then oh no way no uh-huh. way they're gonna scrap and claw to the very end that's that's in their dna you know they gonna you know you might beat them but you you know you better put out the effort to get you over the hump because they ain't they ain't giving it to you you can forget that remember <laughs> they, they you know, they, they remember they went through three good teams in the East. I know yeah. you see Stephen A and them always talking about the East saying nothing. You ain't gonna tell me 
Indiana, Milwaukee, who had the best record in the league, and Boston, who had, I think, the second best, the third best record in the East. You ain't going to tell me. They went through some tough teams to get to where they are now. Uh, last question for me, Matt. What does uh, Udonis Haslam bring to the club? Because I saw that, what was it, the second game. He got up in them during the timeout, man. You could see that he was very vocal and and uh, very passionate about what he was talking. How, what, what, what does he bring to the Heat? He, he brings leadership. Those guys know that Udonis has been there. You know, he, he's, Udonis is 40 years old, but he still goes out there and practices hard every day. He doesn't take it easy. He goes out there and, and practices hard. They listen to him because he's got all the championships with, with the big three. He's got the championship with, uh, uh, Shaq when he came there. You know, he's, he's got some, uh, He's got three championships under his belt. So, you know, they, they're going to listen to him because they, they, he's intense in practice and they know he knows what he's talking about. You know, it's all, that's how he's been able to stay in the league was with his effort. You know, he knows effort. I don't, I can't remember the exact number. I don't know if he's been in the league 17 years or what. He's was not a draft pick. You know, he's another guy that had a chip on his shoulder, and it's paid off for him. He's been in the league for 17 years, and this, this is what he's imparting on these young guys. I say it's paid off for him. What great, oh, what yeah. better seat could you have than to sit on the bench, yeah. you don't have to play, and you still make right. about a million seven, two million on the bench. The vet, the vet minimum. <laughs> the nice vet guy. Minimum. Hey, 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 cool. <laughs> you remember, with us, They'd have been them put the boot to us a long time ago. They ain't gonna let no brothers hang around and and be no cheerleader and coach on the side. They kicking us to they kicked us to the curb, boy. They, you know how it was when we were playing. When you start getting 30, them jokers start saying you over the hill. It's like, man, come on, stop that. Stop it. Stop it. Hoop, man. Come on. And there you have it, everybody. Another segment of Showtime with Coop Down. And remember, that's Bob McAdoo talking. Always has grievances, and he's always more than welcome to have them grievances here on Showtime. But Coop, that ain't no grievance. It's just reality. I know it's reality. (laughs) I ain't into. I ain't into. I ain't into Fox News and all that propaganda. What you see is what you get. You remember the uh, dramatics? What you see. Is what you get. This is what you get with me, bro. I know. It, I know. It. It, I know it's my truth. I know. Coop, how, <laughs> Coop, how's your hip doing? How's your hip doing? My hip is doing great, man. I'm walking. I'm dancing. I'm getting ready to do the stanky leg in a minute. I got hey. about another week or two in rehab, and I'm gonna be back. Coop, Dude, thank you. Call, call, call Gene Banks for me. I already talked to him. We oh, already good. talked, and we got everything going. He got that. He said his hip was bothering him. I said, man, I think Coop just got his done. He said, man, will you please tell Coop to give me a call? I said, man, yeah, I'll give you the number because he wanted to see how you was handling the stuff because I think he might have to get his hip done. Yep, no, I talked to him. He is, he is. He feels okay. a lot more comfortable. Thank you, Mac, for hooking us up. Okay. Everybody, that's another edition of Showtime with Coop in the books. And remember, Coop is always driving to your hoop. <laughs> you <see> <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.